My podcasts usually last between 40 minutes to an hour. However, the podcast platform I use, Buzzsprout, has a limit of just over two hours. To work within this limit, upcoming episodes will be shorter, around 10 minutes each. If you'd like to continue listening, you can follow the link to YouTube or Rumble. Currently, I'm on the free plan until this podcast channel gains more traction. It doesn't make sense to pay for something that people don't seem to be interested in. Thank you for your understanding. Lord my God, I ask that you guide this endeavor. Let me not be swayed by the cheers of people or desire honors that fade away. Instead, may this work lead to your praise alone. If even one person is brought closer to you and it lifts up your name, then the effort was worthwhile. But if this work doesn't serve your purposes, then I pray it would come to nothing. But the other answering rebuked him, saying, Dost not thou fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man hath done nothing amiss. And he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. Luke 23, 40-42 Many people, when hearing about the dying thief's conversion, focus primarily on his salvation at life's very end. Indeed, he's a classic example of last-minute redemption. His story shows that as long as there's a chance for repentance, there's hope for forgiveness. Even in the direst moments, like for a man facing death, Christ's sacrifice is powerful enough to save. Yet, there's more to this story than just its timing. Focusing solely on this aspect might cause us to overlook other important lessons. This one-dimensional view has even led to some backlash. Critics argue that the story shouldn't encourage leaving repentance until the last moments. If the goal is to discourage people from deliberately delaying repentance, this is a reasonable stance. No ethical person would interpret this story as a justification to extend a sinful life, relying on God's patience. It's hoped and assumed that even those who have strayed wouldn't misuse this narrative for such purposes. And surely none of you would. It's not a legitimate interpretation. To use this story to justify delayed repentance is as unreasonable as saying, I can be a thief because this thief was saved. Truth, no matter how profound, can be twisted for harmful ends by those with malicious intentions. God's justice has been misconstrued as a cause for despair and His mercy as an excuse for sin. Those bent on self-destruction can pervert even the most sacred truths. They can drown in the rivers of truth as easily as in the pools of error. A person determined to harm themselves can misuse even the bread of life or the rock of ages for their ruin. No doctrine of God's grace is so benevolent that it can't be twisted into a rationale for graceless behavior by those who choose to do so. Picture this scenario. Standing beside the bed of a dying man tonight, you find him deeply troubled about his soul. He's gripped by the fear that it might be too late for salvation because he delayed repentance until his final moments. In such a situation, I would, without any hesitation, bring up the story of the dying thief to him. I'd reassure him that, 
similar to the thief on the cross, if he repents and looks to Christ with belief, he can still embrace eternal life. This story, rich in mercy and hope, would be shared with full conviction, a beacon of light for someone at the threshold of eternity. I would feel no rebuke from the Holy Spirit for using a narrative he inspired, one recorded precisely for such moments. It's likely that this story was documented foreseeing its use to bring comfort and assurance to those facing their last moments, seeking God. Deep in my heart, I'd know that I've approached the subject as it was meant to be used, a guiding light for souls in extremis, turning their hearts towards the living God. Oh yes, poor soul, regardless of your age or the chapter of life you're in, you can still find eternal life through faith in Christ. The dying thief rejoiced to see that fountain in his day. And there may you, though vile as he, wash all your sins away. This narrative serves as a reminder that the gospel doesn't need human guardianship or embellishments to maintain its purity. Its true power lies in its raw, unadorned majesty. When we burden it with our own provisos and qualifications, it's as if we're encasing it in ill-fitting armor, hindering its true potential. The unvarnished gospel is capable of saving. Overqualification dilutes its potency. A common narrative suggests that few find conversion in their old age, a notion often used to urge the young towards early faith commitment. While this may seem a compelling message for the youth, it inadvertently casts a shadow of despair over the older generation. I question the frequent repetition of such a statement, as it doesn't quite align with the teachings of Jesus or his apostles. Our Lord spoke of laborers joining the vineyard work even at the eleventh hour, and his miracles included not only saving those near death, but also raising the dead. Nothing in his teachings suggests a deadline for salvation that hinges on age. In matters of acceptance with God through faith in Christ Jesus, your current age is irrelevant. The promise, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts, is universal, extending to every stage of life. Whether in youth or just hours from eternity, if you turn to the hope presented in the gospel, you will find salvation. The gospel I proudly proclaim does not exclude anyone based on age, background, or history. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved. This message is for every single person. If we extend the gospel's full message, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. It applies to all, irrespective of how many years they have lived. The narrative of the dying thief who found repentance and redemption at the very brink of death, should not be twisted or misused. However, if anyone is inclined to misuse it, that is beyond my control. Such misuse would only serve to fulfill the grim scripture that warns the gospel can become a scent of death leading to death for some, even as it remains a scent of life leading to life for others. As we reflect on this story, Let's remember that it's not just a tale of last-minute salvation, but also a testament to God's boundless grace. It teaches us that no matter how late in life, no matter how dire the circumstances, 
God's mercy remains available. It's a story that underscores the power of genuine repentance and the transformative grace of faith in Christ. This narrative should serve as an encouragement to all, reminding us that it's never too late to turn towards God. It's a call to embrace faith, to seek forgiveness, and to trust in the redeeming power of Christ's sacrifice. It underscores the belief that our final moments can still be a gateway to a new beginning, a transition from a life of regret to an eternity of peace. In sharing this story with a dying soul, or with anyone grappling with the weight of their past, we offer a lifeline of hope. We affirm that God's love and forgiveness are not confined by the constraints of time or the accumulated weight of our mistakes. It's a message that resonates with profound truth. In Christ, redemption is always within reach, and His grace is sufficient for every soul, no matter how late they come to Him. Reflect on the story of the dying thief, often highlighted for its dramatic timing, a last-minute repentance and salvation. This aspect is significant, yet it doesn't encompass the entirety of his story. The tale of the dying thief is layered with profound spiritual insights. Initially, when crucified alongside Jesus, the thief mirrored the unrepentant behavior of a typical criminal, mocking Christ. But amid the agony of crucifixion and as death loomed, a remarkable transformation unfolded. He experienced a radical change of heart absent any formal preaching or religious instruction. What sparked such an immediate and profound realization of Jesus' true identity? It's likely that the thief's conversion was influenced by witnessing Jesus during his crucifixion. Accustomed to life's harsh realities, the thief encountered someone unlike any he'd known in Jesus.